How many in here have a child under five? Raise your hand. Child under five? Oh, we got a good bit. Okay. All right. How many have a child under two in here? Okay. All right. Good. We like to get busy in this church. <clears throat> we, there's nothing wrong with that. Love our wives. Um, I don't know about y'all, but in my home, I have three children. I have three boys, um, a seven, a five, and a two-year-old, a seven, a four, and a two-year-old. And um, there is a, a, a propensity that when you have multiple children, the more children that you have, then the more that there is occasion for sin. Anybody agree with that? More children, more sin, right? Okay, maybe y'all have one hellion. I don't know, but I have three. And uh, I have three kids, and as our, as our kids have progressed down the line, and we've had more of them, there's been more opportunities for it. That's mine! Stop it! Drop it! He hit me! Okay, there's a lot of that that goes on around. And so within all that, there's a ton of opportunities for us to have to try, as parents, to wrangle cats, which it's almost like, trying to keep them in one area. Okay, guys, all right, you need to get along. Okay, forgive, forget, forgive, ask, say you're sorry. Okay. So the other day, I, uh, I had taken my four-year-old. Uh, something had happened. I think my, my wife had come in there into the bathroom. They were screaming. That's usually how it begins. You're in another room, and you're, ah! And then one of us runs in there. It's like, what's going on? And then you walk in there, and then usually one's on the ground, like his leg got cut off. And there's another one standing over them like it's not that big of a deal. And then, like, looking at you like, like, I don't know what happened. Like, they just tripped or something. Okay? That's usually how it goes down. So however it happened this way, I don't know exactly the details, but she goes in. And sure enough, Judah had done something, whether it was bite or push or something while they were brushing their teeth. He wouldn't let them stand on the stool. I don't know what it was. And, uh, and so Lindsay goes in and says, did you do this? Did you bite him? And, of course, the natural response is, no, please. And then, of course, you go to investigate the area, and you find out that there's these, like, 32 pieces of teeth mark on, uh, on his hand, and you go, did you bite him? No, I didn't. I didn't bite him. Did, I'm going to give you one more chance. Did you bite him? Mm, mm. Okay, so what you're telling me is, you lied, and you bit him. Y'all with me on this? Okay. All the parents of young people, know, uh, young kids know this. Okay. So, so then what, what happens is you say, okay, Josiah, Joel, please exit the bathroom. I need to have a little family daddy time with, with Judah. So we'll, this is usually how discipline goes in my house. I try not to be angry and all this stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. So we sit down, and uh, I usually am sitting on the toilet, not just sitting on the toilet, okay? I just, I have to clarify. I don't, anyways, okay. I do, okay, all right, we'll just stop. So I usually sit on the toilet. He's sitting on the stool, and I, so I can be eye to eye. We look at each other, and I say, I say, Judah, did you bite him? Mm-hmm. Why did you bite him? Daddy, what? And this is when, like, because when he knows it's just me and him, it's like, I mean, it start waterworks start coming. Dad, he wouldn't let me stand on the stool, and I was trying to get on the stool, and he wouldn't let me get on the stool, so I just, okay, but why did you bite him? Did you need to bite him for that? He just wouldn't get off, and I was trying to get off, and, okay, and so I'm like, well, why did you lie about it? I don't know. Well, I know why you lied about it, because you thought you were going to get a spanking, didn't you? Yeah, am I going to get a spanking? 
do you deserve a spanking? No? Okay, you bit your brother. Do you do that? No? And so we go through this whole routine of everything that he's done to his brother, but come to find out there maybe has been some things that have gone against him. And so his natural reaction is because he's been sinned against, that he now has justification to sin against his brother. Y'all with me on this? That's usually how sin works. Because you feel like you've been sinned against, you feel like you can justify the fact that you're mean or rude or hurt the other individual. And so we usually sit down and I say, Judah, listen, and this doesn't, this I usually try to be a, a very grace-filled dad. I want to extend grace and mercy to my son, and I want to teach them what that is. I don't want to always bring in the rod. And so, you know, during this time, I looked at him and I said, okay, what should you get? I don't know. What, what do you think you bit your, if your brother bit you, what do you think he should get? A spanking. That's right. So what do you think you should get? Not a spanking. No, you deserve a spanking. And that, my friend, is called justice. When you do something that's wrong, you justly deserve to be reprimanded for that. So you deserve a spanking. I don't want a spanking. I don't want. Listen to me, Judah. Listen. I don't want a Judah, listen. I don't want. Judah, if you don't stop, I'm giving you a spanking. Okay. But listen, there's a word in the Bible that's called mercy. Do you know what that is? Will you just listen? This is, this is, how, this is exactly how it plays out. In our, I'm not, not doing a lot of embellishing on this. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. So what you deserve is a spanking. But daddy loves you. And I think right now that you are sorry for what you've done. Maybe you're sorry because you just don't want to get a spanking. But daddy, out of the compassion of my heart, I'm going to give you mercy. You know what that means? Okay, let me start over again. Mercy, and i got to go through the whole process. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Okay. And then there's grace. And grace is you deserve a spanking. Daddy's not going to give you a spanking, and I'm going to go take you to McDonald's, and we're going to go get ice cream. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go get ice cream. We're not doing that. I just want to let you know what grace is. And so he walks out of the room after we pray and do all that. God, Daddy's, it's, it's all good. We're gonna, are we good here? You need to go reconcile this with your brother. You need to go. That Y'all need to exchange forgivenesses and say all these things and tell him, repent of your sin before him and all that stuff. Well, in all that, this fact that he has been freely forgiven from his dad, his dad did not spank him the way that he should have been. He should have been tore up, not only for biting his brother, but also for lying to his mom. And he should, have gotten, he should have gotten whooped. In our family, we believe in whoopings, okay? And he should have gotten a whooping for that, but he didn't. I, I was very generous to him. I had mercy on him. What do you think next time when his brother sins against him, because he's experienced great mercy from me, he should do to the next person who does something to him? He should extend what? Mercy, right? Now, if you have a 3, 4, 5, 6, or maybe even all the way up to 12, does that happen? You could literally, and this is how it happens. Literally, he walks out of the bathroom, tears still streaming, coming off. And then all of a sudden, his brother's playing with like his, you know, one of his toys. What are you doing? And then just goes right after his brother. And I'm in the background going, 
I just forgave you. Like, I should bring you back into the bathroom right now. Like, did you not just realize how much you've been forgiven, and now you're going to go hold your brother to this? Are you with me here? Here's, here's the thing, and this is where I'm getting at. As Christians, we come and we submit our lives to the Lord, and God looks at us and he says, in Christ you have been forgiven what Ephesians 1 says. Can we go there? Ephesians 1. I know Pastor Zach shared out of this book last week, but I'm going to share from a totally different thing. In verse 1, I want you to read Ephesians 1.1 and then Ephesians 1.7. We're going to go to one one first. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the what? Can you say this with me? To the what? To the saints. Okay, so he's talking to Christian people. Notice he doesn't call them sinners. You little sinners. He says, to the saints. To the saints. Now look at verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of what? Of his what? Whose grace was it? His grace. It wasn't because you did really good and you deserved grace. It was just because he's very gracious and loving. So according to his grace upon your life, he has forgiven you of all of your trespasses, which he has what? He didn't just forgive it. He lavished it upon you. So as people who have been the recipient of lavished grace and forgiveness, what should be our response to people who hurt us? Lavished grace and forgiveness. Are y'all with me here? I know. Don't worry. You might want to pull your toes up because they will be stepped on in just a little bit. We're going to go here because we're going to deal with something today that I think is probably one of the greatest hindrances in our spiritual walk with the Lord is this one word, and it is called unforgiveness. Bitterness. Call it whatever you want. But it is the one hindering block that I think for many people, they cannot seem to go to their next level in their relationship with the Lord because of unforgiveness. The last time I preached, I talked about stirring our affections for the Lord and being passionate about knowing God and pursuing God. And after that message, I thought, why don't people do that? Why don't people stir their affections more for the Lord? Why is it that they cannot just seem to get beyond where they are? And God said, because they're not forgiven people. And when they don't realize how much they've been forgiven, they can't forgive anybody else. And so for the first part of my message today, I, wanna, I want us to look in Ephesians 1, and I want us to see all the things that God has done for you. Because from out of that point, then God, in Ephesians 4, Paul begins to give us what we should do out of an overflow of what God has done for us. So Ephesians 1, he calls them saints. And I'm going to just go through this, and you're probably not going to be able to keep up with me, Kyle. But I just want to read a couple of these things of what I want you to see what God has done for you. Verse 4 says that he chose you in him, in him, in him, before the foundations of the world. He chose you that you should be holy and blameless. He has adopted you as a son, according to verse 5. He, he has redeemed you through his blood for the forgiveness of your sins in verse 7. Look at verse 8. He's lavished it upon you. Look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance. 
Look at verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So today I want you to know what God has done for you. He's adopted you. He's made you a son or a daughter. Not only has he adopted you, but he's forgiven you. Not only has he forgiven you, but he's sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Not only has he sealed you with the Holy Spirit, but he's come to create to make you holy and blameless. That's what God has done for you. Isn't that good news? This is not because we are now worthy of it. That's not because we deserved it. It's because he's that good and he loves you that much that those are the things that he's done for you and for me. So here's the question, though. What happens when you get sinned against? What happens when someone commits adultery on you? What happens when your boss does something to you that was not right? What happens when your father abandons you? What happens when someone steals from you? What happens when someone sins against you and then they don't apologize? How do you handle it? How do you deal with that? Today I want to talk from the subject free to forgive. Free to forgive. In Ephesians, Paul uses the word in Christ 38 times. 38 times. In Christ. In Christ, you're his, you are righteous. In Christ, you are holy. In Christ, you are blameless. In Christ, you are sealed. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And I, I want you to write this down. If it's not in your notes, I want you to write this down. You are free to forgive because you've been freely forgiven. And we're going to come back to that in just a little bit. You are free to forgive because you have been freely forgiven. Now let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, everybody say bitterness, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. See, here's the deal. When you've been sinned against, and even when I said that, there's somebody that popped into your head as soon as I said it. As soon as I said it, you thought of somebody. Or you maybe thought of a number of people. But in verse 30, we see that when we've been sinned against, we go to one or two extremes. And there's, there's only two options. When you've been sinned against, and it doesn't matter how small the crime is or how big the crime is, when you've been sinned against, there's only two options that you can do. You can choose forgiveness or bitterness. That's it. Well, some of you go, well, I didn't choose bitterness. And then my next question would be, well, did you forgive them? Well, I didn't forgive them. Then you chose bitterness. You chose bitterness. There's only two options. You got forgiveness or you got bitterness. Whichever way you want to go, that's, that's how you can choose. And so I wrote a couple of things about bitterness. Bitterness simply is just unforgiveness. That's all it is. Bitterness is unforgiveness. And so I wrote a couple of things down about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has everything to do with you and nothing to do with them. Unforgiveness, I'm going to say that again, has everything to do with you and nothing to do with them. Nothing. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. When we take on bitterness towards an offense, towards somebody that's done something towards us, you drink poison and then in that you are waiting for that other person to die and all it is is it's killing you. Unforgiveness is like cancer because it doesn't stay where it starts. 
You, I know when people are unforgiven because it's all over them. It affects everything about you. If you are unforgiven towards a certain person, anytime that person is brought up or that person that you see that, that uh, caller ID on your phone or something, there's just something that wells up inside of you, it affects everything. And here's what I want you to see about unforgiveness. It affects your children. Your children see it. You may not think they do, but they see it. It's all over you. Your boss sees it. Your employees see it. Your family sees it. Everybody sees it. The wild thing is usually everybody sees it but you. And unforgiveness is a lot like a cancer. It doesn't stay in this one certain area. It spreads, and it just begins to permeate not only your mind and your thinking, but your heart and the way that you feel, and then it's fleshed out through your hands and the way that you act. So I wanna, we're going to fill in some blanks here in your notes. Number one, people with bitterness tend to have a good reason. People with bitterness tend to have a good reason. I have never found one person that's bitter that didn't have a good reason for being bitter. Normally, most people who are bitter have a great reason for being bitter. Like, my husband cheated on me. That's a pretty good reason. My wife spent all of our money on clothes. That's a really good reason. Okay, normally people who are bitter have a very good reason on why they are bitter. Something has happened in their life that has caused that. Number two is this. Bitterness can include God. Bitterness can include God. A husband gets taken in a car accident. God, why would you let this? I mean, the horrific stories of, of what I hear that gets done to children, and you think, God, how can you allow this? And let it be on your own child, and then all of a sudden you're going to see that, that those are emotions that you feel. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 talks about be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry, which tells me this, that you can be angry and not sin. Most people think that anger is a sin. It's not a sin. But if it's not controlled, it can lead to sin. But anything that is done unjustly, you have the right to be angry about. Let someone walk into your home and do something to one of your children. Are you angry? Let me hear you. Are you angry? Absolutely. There was an injustice that's done, and that anger is absolutely okay. But what it does is when it's unchecked, it can lead to some places that are not okay. So anger in all this is the is right response. And we can be bitter at God. I think, to be honest, I think there's a lot of people in here that are bitter at God. The job didn't work out like you thought you were. You've been, I don't know how many times I've sat down with people and they're like, I tithe for like five years and God never blessed me. Well, you know what that did? That just showed me why you tithed. You tithe because you thought that you were just going to get something from God. But it don't work that way. It does not work that way. God exposes our heart in those things. And sometimes we have bitterness towards, God, how can you let me lose my job? God, how can you let this? God, how can you? So a lot of times it can be towards God. Number three, talks about, Hebrews talks about bitter envy and selfish ambition. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. A lot of times people are bitter towards you and it has nothing really to do with something that you've done to them. It's just they're selfish or they are envious of what you have. You got married and they're still single. I can't help that. You keep having babies and they keep not. You got the job promotion and they didn't. 
there's bitterness that people have towards you, and a lot of times it's not even your fault. You didn't ask for it. They just have it towards you because they are selfish in them themselves, and they are very envious of the situation in which you're in. And the last one, number four, and this is the one that I want to, I think kind of the biggest one, and it's this. Bitterness has a lot less to do with the magnitude of the offense and more to do with the proximity of the offender. Bitterness has less to do with the magnitude of the offense and more to do with the proximity of the offender. Let me, let me just give you a quick example of this. Let's say uh, a, a stranger, someone you absolutely do not know, comes into your house in the middle of the night and they steal your, your diamond ring, your wedding ring. And that's all they take. They just take your diamond wedding ring and they go. When you wake up in the morning and you find out that you've been robbed, you will be angry, right? You'll be mad. You'll be frustrated. You'll be upset. That'll hurt, Okay. But 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it won't be that big of a deal. Because guess what? You're going to replace it. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Now, let's say that a family member comes into your home, a spouse, a, 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 a grandma, a mom, or whatever, and comes in and says just some, some of the meanest things directed towards you. Now, she didn't steal your $1,000 diamond ring, it wasn't that big of a deal, but that hurts a lot more, and sometimes you can go an entire lifetime of dealing with that versus the person who stole your ring. Are y'all with me on this? So bitterness has a lot less to do with how big the offense is. It has a lot more to do with how close the person is that hurts you. The closer they are to you, the more that has a chance to be something that's really, really bad. So if it's a a husband that does something real small, can mean more to you than a stranger who does something really bad. Are y'all with me on this? Bitterness has that tent, has a a chance to do that. So how do you know you're bitter? Let's let's just talk through these three things and then you can see. How do you know you're bitter? Uh, Do you keep thinking about it? Do you constantly think about it? Does it emotionally affect you? When, that, when you see that caller ID and you see that person, does it bring back all of these floods of emotions? When you see them at Walmart or something happens, does, this, does it just overwhelm you? Does it paralyze you? Does it make you angry? What does it do? And then last one, do you recall the details? Could I sit across from the table from you and you could spit out every single thing that they said verbatim? You're still dwelling on it. These are some hard questions that you need to ask yourself uh, even outside of this and begin to dwell upon to find out, is there some bitterness that's in me? Now, Hebrews says that we got to dig up the bitter root. And the only way to dig up the root, I think this is in your notes, the only way to dig up the root of bitterness is with the shovel of forgiveness. The only way to dig up the root of bitterness is with the shovel of forgiveness. Now, I want us to, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Go to verse 31 because I want you all to see something. See, here's the thing about bitterness. It's like we talked about, unforgiveness. It's like a cancer. It continues. It grows. It spreads. It goes where it is. And I want you to see how this happens because look what it says in verse 31. Let all, the first one is what? First one is bitterness. Okay, now I want you to watch the progression because this is a progression. Paul didn't just, just throw these words in there. He intentionally put the progression of what happens here. Look at what he says. Let all bitterness. And then he says, and wrath. 
So what happens is, is once you get bitter, once you get offense, once something happens to you, somebody does something to you, you have this bitterness, this small little root. If you don't deal with it, it grows to wrath. Now, wrath is when you start getting emotional about it. It start when you start being verbal about it. You can see it. It emotionally affects you. Now, look what happens. After that, if you don't deal with it from there, then what does it become? It becomes anger. That's where you see it, that your demeanor changes. You can tell when you're around somebody who is angry. I mean, you can, you can tell when somebody, when your spouse is angry. It's all over them. They can see it. Not only emotional about it, but their actual physicalness, they, they can, you can see it all over them. The next one, clamor. That's where you get argumentative about it. You start maybe crying about it all the time. Maybe you're whining about it all the time. It becomes something that's even more. The next one, slander. This is when you go public. I'll come back to that. Malice, that is the last of all of them. This is when you actually go physical. This is when you take something that was such a small deal, or maybe it was a big deal, but you, you did not deal with it, and it went from bitterness all the way, and it became malice, which is why you have a lot of people who are in prison, because they didn't actually ever intend on killing somebody, but it started somewhere. Are y'all with me? Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, I just want to kill somebody, such and such. It starts with bitterness from it. They were hurt by somebody or something. Something happened somewhere, and they never dealt with it, and it led to malice. Now, I want you to see, because Ephesians chapter 4, a little bit before that, in verse 28, talks a little bit about this whole slander thing. Look what it says in verse 29. I'm sorry. Let no what? Corrupting talk come out of your mouth. I'm, this is one of the greatest pieces of advice that I can give you. When you are hurt, when someone hurts you, Someone sins against you. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your tongue. The thing that we like to do now is as soon as somebody hurts us, instead of going to them and dealing with it, what do we like to do? We like to get on Facebook and tell everybody about it, right? Am I right? You see it all over there. People who are bitter, bitter people. I can't believe that Walmart clerk doing it. Like, seriously? Seriously? I can't believe my husband, blankety blank, blank. And Paul is telling them, listen, when you are hurt, watch your mouth. Watch your tongue. Keep a rein on it. Because if you're not careful, it's going to get you into some very, very bad places. You can begin to stab people verbally. Maybe you're not going to hurt them physically, but you can stab them verbally. And you can go after them. And I don't know how it is with y'all. And I'll be very honest, within my marriage, um, we tend to, when, when fights break out in our home between Lindsay and I, we tend to, be, to go on the defensive. I don't know if any marriages, I'll just be, I'll be honest and you can just see my transparency. I tend to be defensive when I feel attacked. So when I feel there's accusations towards me, I get defensive, and I go back at her. Well, what was you? And so a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, Lindsay had used a pair of my, iPhone, uh, my, my headphones to go running, and, uh, and then a couple of days passed, and I wanted to have my headphones to go uh, mow the grass, and I couldn't, I didn't know where they were. So I said, I said Lindsay, uh, where's my headphones? Because, you know, you were the last one who used them. That was not, not good right there. So she, in response, says, well, did you go look for them? 
Like, well, no, you, you had them. Why would I go look for them? Because you. And so I was, I'll go look for them. So I go, I go off, and I go, and I'm walking in my bedroom, and poof, right there on my dresser. They're sitting right there. So I come out of the, come out of the bedroom. I found them. Where were they? Uh, on the dresser. Why did you have to attack me? I wasn't attacking you. I was just trying to find where they were. No, you were being very attacking. What you were saying was that if you, if, if you can't find them, then they're my fault. Well, no, I wasn't trying to say that. I was just trying to say, like, you were the last one that had them. So if they did happen to be missing, it kind of probably would be maybe your fault. Well, do you not know that we have three other boys and six other hands in this house and that if you have six other hands, that those can go everywhere? Okay, yeah, I know that, but you were the, I saw you with the, I know I had them, but you're coming against me. Okay, and then I know none of this happens to y'all. So we're literally in the car driving somewhere, and still, like, I won't give, she won't give. I'm like, but you had them. I'm telling you. I wasn't trying to mean, like, I'm just saying, you had them. And why does it make sense for me to go looking if you had them? And she's like, why you got to be so defensive and so aggressive? And so, and I'm like, I was trying to be calm. Keep it rain on your tongue. Keep it rain on your tongue. Lindsay and I, I know our greatest struggle is constantly feeling like, did she mean it that way? And then we respond out of like, well, you go do it. Oh, no, you go do it. You know, it's kind of, it's just, it's just harsh at times. And I have learned this, that I have a tendency to be harsh and not even mean it. And I can be right about what I'm saying and wrong with the way I'm saying it. Are y'all with me on this? Come on, men. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, I'm just telling you the truth. And she's like, but it hurts. You could have said it a little more gracefully, like, honey, could you please? Instead of, like, honey, baby, can you go do that? You know? This is for all the men. Probably none of the women deal with this, but all the men in the house trying to save your marriage. All right? So Ephesians 29 says, look what it says. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up. Building up. So when you get attacked, when you get sinned against, your first reaction is to want to say something about him. Go to your hairdresser and be like, can you, do what he, can you believe what he did? Can, and just blah, blah, blah. And just comes out. And I'm going to tell you, this is where it happens. I had two guys come into my office Friday, Thursday, Thursday afternoon. It was about 5 o'clock. I was getting ready to go into another meeting. They came into my office, and they were like, we are so mad at such and such, this other person. I'm like, let's, okay, sit down. He just came in, and he was like so mean to us. And I'm like, you're about to go and repeat to him what you're mad about that he did to you. You're about to go repeat the same thing. You're going to go and deal with him about how he was so mean to you, and you're going to be so mean to him in the way that you deal with it. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's talk. We need to make sure that we are responding in a, in a spirit of grace, in a spirit of mercy, in a spirit that builds up. Do you know that you can build someone up and still correct them at the same time? Do you know you can still discipline your children and be building them up and not tearing them down and still be truth that's correcting I can be spanking my son and building him up at the same time. You can also be spanking your child and tearing them down at the same time. And a lot of it has to do 
with what comes out of your mouth. You all with me? Okay. So we want to build up. We want to build up. Um, look at verse 27. Let's go to verse 27. This is also something that he talks about with, um, when it comes to us. Be angry. Do not sin. What does it say? Do not let the what? Son, go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What he's saying is this, is that we have this tendency to want to wait. When someone hurts us, we want to not deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. We want to just put it off like it's no big deal. Like it's no big deal. I'll yet again share just a little bit of my, my tendency is I, I think through things. So when someone says something, it, it takes a lot to offend me. I mean, you got to like come right at me to offend me. I, it, does, it takes a lot. I, I just brush a lot of stuff off just because I know some people like me, some people hate me, and I don't care. I really don't. Now, my wife's different. Anything that's said her way, she, she thinks through it. She's thinking through it a lot. And so I have the tendency that if I'm hurt, someone's hurt me, I will stew on it. Meaning I'm not going to go to them and say, hey, that hurt. That, I'm just going to go, ah, no big deal. It wasn't, ah, oh, that don't hurt me. And it really did. And I'll just set it aside and I'll stack it. And then someone else will do something and I'll stack it. And then someone else will do something and I'll stack it. That's called a stewer. It's called a stewer. What ends up happening is you stack it so long that the next time when it's filled to capacity, it doesn't take much for you to blow. Y'all with me on this? So, you know, you're like, you know, your husband comes home and he's like, hey, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? I mean, do you not know? I've been all, okay. And you're like, oh, my Jesus. I'll go, I'll go to Taco Bell. Come on, kids. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Well, what's been happening is, is there's been stewing this for so long, okay? That's been, that's, I'm not giving it. That's not how Lindsay is, okay? I just want to make sure to clear that out of the air. She doesn't do that. Because she's a spewer. I'm a steward. So this is how spewers are. Spewers, immediately when you hurt them, they're coming after you. They wear all of their emotions, not on their sleeves, but their legs, their pants, their shirt, their head, their hat, everything they wear their emotions on. So as soon as you hurt them, you don't even have a chance to, like, respond. Like, it, they're coming at you. It's like, oh, really? I mean, there's, like, seeking and destroying. Both of them are wrong. One stews and festers, and that's actually where this bitterness begins to become wrath and clamor and slander. And then the other, the spewers, just, it just comes out. You said that, and why did you say that? Now, and Lindsay and I are both opposites. She'll look at me and she'll be like, is anything wrong? I'm like, no, everything's good. I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I'll go, this, this verse says, do not let the sun go down in your anger, which means when you get hurt, immediately deal with it. Immediately deal with it. Because the longer you wait, the worse it gets. Okay, y'all with me? And so you got to immediately deal with it. But I, because I'm a steward, I don't want to. So I will, I'll literally, I'll be in bed on my pillow, and I can feel in the back of my head this burning sensation that's coming from the other pillow. And this deep breath. And it's like, I just know and as soon, and this is how it always happens. As soon as I'm like, literally, I'm, I'm about to hit, I'm about to fall asleep. She'll go, you going to bed? It's like, I was, I was planning on it. Um, you don't think we need to talk? Talk about what? 
Oh, you know. I don't, no, I don't. I, and sometimes I really do know. Sometimes I don't. Come on, man. How many know? You're like, I don't, what did I do? I mean, I thought I was perfectly, I thought it was a great evening. I thought, I, she's like, we need to talk. I'm like, uh, we can if you want to, I guess. Um, let's, let's talk. Okay, so I have, I can have the propensity to just go to sleep and not want to deal with it. I love the fact that I'm married to a woman that wants to deal with it so we can go to both, both go to bed in peace. Because there's been many a nights where I've made her have no sleep during the night because I wouldn't deal with it. Many a nights. She'll wake up and she's like, how was your sleep? And I was like, it was great. She was like, I was miserable. Just thinking about this all the time. We're not right. I'm like, no, we're good. I'm telling you, we're fine. We are not right. And that's my own pride. So there's a lot of repentance. So I'm, I, let me say this, because this is going to save our church a real a lot of pain, and it's going to save me a lot of counseling hours. If someone hurts you, go to them first. Don't go to your spouse. Don't go to another friend. Don't go to anybody else, because when you do that, you go to other people. They pour gasoline on something that they should have poured water on. So a flame becomes bigger, and you invite more people into the problem when they should have never been a part of the problem in the first place. Their problem wasn't with them. Your problem was with your mom. So go deal with your mom. Y'all with me? Don't go to your aunt because she's got a problem with your mom too. So she can be like, I know. Can you believe her? Y'all know how this works. I'm preaching. Okay. We're going to wrap it up. Let's talk about six things that forgiveness is not, and then I want to talk about six things that forgiveness is, and then we're going to be done. Okay, good. I'm good on, I'm good on time. All right, six things forgiveness is not. Number one, for, forgiveness is not denying or diminishing the sin. Most people think if I forgive somebody of what they've done to me, and I know that some things in here I've been done are, are really bad. I'll just put it that way, are really bad. I know a number of people in here that have been raped. A number of them. I know a number of people in here that have been physically abused and emotionally abused by a spouse. And I say all this knowing all that. That when we forgive somebody, we're not denying or diminishing that the sin was a big deal. It was a huge deal because Jesus paid for it with his life. Number two, forgiveness is not a response to an apology. Most people think, well, I cannot forgive them until they come to me and say, I'm sorry. Well, here's the question. What happens if they do something to you and they die? What now? Like, are you like, you locked? Like, you're in prison? Forgiveness is not a response to an apology. Forgiveness is a response to the cross. Because Jesus forgave you before you even asked. Y'all with me here? Jesus said, Father, forgive them, and you weren't even born yet to even make a sin, and he already forgave you already. So for us, forgiveness is not a response to an apology of sin. They don't have to apologize to us, but we need to forgive to them. Number three. Is this number three? Am I right? Covering up sin. Covering up sin. Forgiveness is not covering up sin. We're not saying that it wasn't a big deal. We're not saying, okay, let's hide it. And not, no, we want to deal with it. You know, if someone, if, a, if you had a family member, uh, you know, a spouse that committed adultery and you're trying to reconcile and work it together, it's not that we're not, oh, that was no thing. Let's just not forget it. We got to deal with it. We got to deal with it. Four, forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. A lot of people like to quote, 
the scripture that talks about how Jesus forgets our sins and he casts them as far as to the east and to the west. But here's a question that I have. Is God not omniscient, meaning that he knows everything? Does God just choose to like just wipe that out of his memory? Or let me just pose it this way. Or is it that because you are now in Christ, God sees you as Christ, he still knows your sins, he still knows your flaws, and he still knows all of your weaknesses, but he chooses now to deal with you on the basis of Jesus and not you. So it's not that he forgot your sin, it's just now that he chooses to interact with you based off of Jesus and not you. Did I, did I lose people here on that? Okay, so he's, he didn't forget your sins. He knows exactly, and that's what actually propels me to worship him more because God didn't forget that I had a lust problem and that I had an anger problem and a pride problem. He knows all that and still loves me, which makes me want to worship him more. But he doesn't deal with me based off of those things. He deals with me because I'm in Christ, and so he sees perfection. Number five, trust. Forgiveness is not trust. Most people think if I forgive somebody, then I gotta trust them. Eh, wrong. No. If somebody breaks your trust, Trust is, uh, is quickly lost and uh, slow to gain. So if somebody did something to you, let, let's say there was something sexual that went on with a, with a, a minor or something. I'm, you're not going to go let your kids go play at the house. Are y'all with me here? You're not like, well, you forgave them, so you should let them just go and play. No. Lindsay was telling me about a situation where uh, uh, somebody did that and they let, they let their children go back and he did it again. So forgiveness is not necessarily trust. That's got to be gained over time. But we don't want to hold it over them, but it has got to be gained over time. And then number six, last one, is forgiveness is not reconciliation all the time. It is reconciliation to the point that you have reconciled things with them emotionally and spiritually, and you have forgiven them whether they have or not. But here's the deal. You get to choose if you want to be back in relationship with them or not. It's not this thing like, oh, I forgive them, so therefore, like, we got to be best friends again. No. I'll share at the end about my story with my dad, but my relationship with my dad is not the same as it was when before the incident. It's just not. We're reconciled. We're good. But it's not the same. And so even though you may have made some things right, doesn't mean you have to now be buddy-buddy with them. Okay, let's talk about the six things that forgiveness is, and we'll wrap this up. Six things forgiveness is. Number one, it's, it is canceling a debt. What it is is it's telling them, you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. I know you are continually, continually, continually hurting me, but I just want you to know you don't owe me anymore. I'm canceling that. When you forgive, you tell them you don't owe. Number two, it's it's removing that person's control of you. Whether you know it or not, like I said, unforgiveness is more about you than it is about them because in your unforgiveness, you're actually putting yourself in your own prison. And they are controlling that. And they don't, they don't even know. They don't even know. I tell it to people all the time when they go, you know, oh, I'm so offended by what he said. I'm like, did you go talk to him? No, I didn't go talk to him. Well, he might not even have known that he offended you in what he said. So what you're doing is you're causing an offense that happened that he doesn't even know about. And you may go sit down with him and he go, man, I didn't even know I did that. I am so sorry. And this could be all dealt with. But because you don't want to go do that, then we got all this stuff we got to go through. Okay? So it is removing the person's control. Number three, it's a gift for them and for you. It's a gift for them and for you. It's a gift for them because it releases them from your wrath. And it's a gift for you uh, because it releases you from unforgiveness. 
So it's a gift for both of you. Number five, uh, number four, sorry, leaving ultimate justice to God. If someone is continually, continually, continually living a lifestyle of hurting people, continually, continually, yes, there is forgiveness there, but ultimately it's going, God, you deal with him. You deal with him. You deal with that situation because I, I can't. Number five, it's both a decision and a process. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. Yes, it's a decision that, yes, I'm going to forgive you today. Some of you will make that decision today. Yes, I am forgiving that person, but it is a process. I would like to say that today you could say, I forgive that person, and you walk out of here, and you never have to deal with it again. But that's not the case, I'm sorry to say. You're going to have to work and work and work and work through this. This is a process. And then number six, it's genuinely wanting good for them. You know that you have forgiven somebody when you genuinely want good for them. When you hear that they got in a car accident, you're like, did they get paralyzed? No. Oh. Man. You genuinely, when you hear they got a raise, you're like, yes. If that's not the, if, if you don't, if you don't celebrate with them, you know that there's still something in you. So the fact that they are doing good is when you know that they have unforgiveness. Now, verse 32, and I'll wrap it up with this. Verse 32 of chapter 4 says this, and this was the verse that really uh, did uh, a, a work in my own heart because this is what he says. Be kind to one another. Now, let me ask you this. When someone has sinned against you, the first thing you think of is be kind to them, right? 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 Because I see it all over your Facebook. You're extremely kind. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. A lot of times when people get hurt, they don't go to tenderhearted. They go to hardhearted. Forgiving one another. And this is why. This is the reason why you do all that. Because God forgave you. How, how audacious is that to stand before someone who's done something to us and not offer forgiveness and then go to church and beg God for forgiveness for ours? How crazy is that? That we have, according to Ephesians 1, have had lavished grace upon us, lavished mercy on us, and then someone does something to us, and we go, mm-mm, you're going to have to work for that one. You're going to have to work for that one. I'm going to say this. No one has been more sinned against than Jesus. Can I say that again? No one has been more sinned against than Jesus. No one. Jesus, perfect son of God, comes to earth, lives a life of perfection, no sin. Do you know how he died? Unjustly, unrightly, pierced, flogged, beat, spit on, speared, flesh ripped off, crown of head, crown of thorns in his head. There's no one. Disciples abandon him. He's betrayed. He's humiliated on a cross, naked. And we have the audacity to say, 
what happened to me was worse than that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus was more sinned against than we will ever be. And so here's, the, here's, here's where it comes. You're free to forgive because you've been freely forgiven. And I want to tell you this. When Jesus was on that cross, Luke 23, 34, is that what it is? As the nails are going in his hands, as the nails are going in his feet, his response is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of them that knew exactly what they were doing. Exactly what they were doing. But what he's saying is, spiritually, they don't know what's going on here. And so forgive them for that. And Jesus was saying that as a declaration to you and I, because if you and I would have been there, we would have been the ones jeering and cheering for the crucifixion of our Savior. That would have been us. And a lot of times we think that our sin is not that big of a deal, and God, you should just forgive me, but then when somebody hurts us, we think it's a huge deal, and they need to work for that forgiveness. You can freely forgive because God has freely forgiven you. And some of you in this room are having a hard time forgiving others because you haven't allowed God to freely forgive you. And because you haven't felt free forgiveness, you don't give it out freely. Are y'all with me? And so I, I want to do this. Listen, my dad did some horrendous things to our family. And I don't, I don't care to go back over it and, th- and think through all that, but I can. And not emotionally, it hurts me to a degree because I know what it's done to my family and what it did to my family. And I remember the day of sitting across the table from my dad, who lived in another state, knowing what he had did to not only to my mom, but to my brothers and sisters, and then to other people. And it was bad. And sitting across the table from him and going, Dad, I forgive you. And him bawling his eyes out. Because he knew he didn't deserve it. Because he didn't. Because he was still in a place where he was unrepentant, didn't care. And I looked at the cross and I said, Dad, I, I just I forgive you. And I said, because Ephesians 4 says that I have a responsibility to be kind and tenderhearted and forgive you because what you have done to us, I've done to God. I've done to God. And so that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And it's, it's still a hard relationship right now. But I had to let that go because it was eating me up. And so today, I, I know there's many of you, that's the same story. It may be different situations, but you got some bitterness that is in there. And if, I'm, just, I'm giving you a, a real warning. If you don't deal with that, it will progress to something a lot worse. And it will spread, and it will kill you and not them. So I want us to do this with your heads bowed. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're here. I thank you that you're speaking And I thank you right now that there's freedom in this place. 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 I thank you, God, that you have freely forgiven us. And you have 
called us to freely forgive those that are around us, that we will not respond harshly out of our words, but God, we will respond with mercy and grace. And God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in and you would move and convict the people that have bitterness inside of them, and maybe they don't even see it themselves. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them. I pray that you would show them. I pray that you would direct them precisely to the person that it is in regards to. And I pray that they will not walk out this place holding on to that. So right now, I I don't want anybody looking up. I want us just to deal with this privately, but in this public space. But I want us to deal with it privately. I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to acknowledge those things. But you say, Pastor Josh, I I know I'm dealing with some bitterness towards maybe a spouse, towards a family person. Maybe Maybe it's just towards God. But I know there's this bitterness, there's this bitter root that's inside of me, and I need God to take it out. Because the only way we respond like Jesus is Holy Spirit empowered. That's the only way we can do this, is for his Holy Spirit to do that. And you say, Pastor Josh, I know that's me. Can you just raise your hand so I can just know who we're talking about here? Okay, come on. Great, great. Hands all over the place. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we just pray right now. Father, I pray over every person that's in this room that just raised their hands. You saw the dozens and dozens of them that raised their hands. And God, I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would empower them to live forgiven, to walk in forgiveness, and to freely give forgiveness to those that are around them. Lord, I know it's hurt. I know they've been hurt. I know that there's been things against them, but I pray right now, Lord, that you would heal, heal, heal these hearts, heal these wounds, heal them in Jesus' name. Lord, may they minister out of healing and health and wholeness. May they find their identity in Christ and not what has been done to them, but in Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, and everyone said, can we give the Lord praise this morning? Amen.